Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. This week is going to be the final part in the three-part series about Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman and Me, and it's going to be primarily on the conservatorship for this part, and kind of the themes that I've noticed leading up to the conservatorship around Britney Spears in general, and just kind of everything we've been talking about. But looking at mental health the way we do now, and looking back at what Britney went through, and kind of understanding it better with the lens we have, and this is just my understanding and viewing Britney's family, listening to her story and giving my insight through the perspective of someone that grew up in a narcissistic household. So seeing or listening, I just say, to the way Britney grew up and the way she spoke about her father and her upbringing, it kind of made sense from the way I've been able to understand the way I grew up and learn why I think the way I think, the way I act, the way I act. And based on similar roots of having a narcissistic father and having these similar patterns as our identity as adults. Because even though we're all grown, we don't really know what the fuck grown being means because we're all just being impressed. Like, we all just grow up based on the environment where you've grown up around. And if you grow up feeling like you don't have a stable foundation, like that you're a stable foundation of love from your family, it's going to feel like that when you get older and when you grow up and you're constantly going to be looking for that. And I think throughout this analysis and throughout Brittany's memoir in general, that's a common theme I've noticed is looking for that stability of love and looking for what that is. And I think Brittany is trying to tell us through a lot of her story is that she's looked for love in all the wrong places, but she doesn't know what love is because you don't know what love is if you've never had it before. If you don't know what good, healthy love looks like, how are you supposed to know what it is when it finds you or if it doesn't find you and how and the and love feels good. So I think Brittany's just kind of She's just a lover girl, like so many of us are. And the most important thing about the memoir, too, is she always hones in on the fact that she's always wanted to be a mom and be with her boys and just be a mom and enjoy motherhood. And the fact that the conservatorship kind of took that away from her all these years, it's so heartbroken. And, and I can't imagine what that must feel like for her right now, but I just hope she can move forward the best way she can. So with that being said... The conservatorship kind of seems like this punishment as like what's the consequence to women when they don't behave according to what the media tells them to. And the media scrutinizes women based on like this chronological order of how we can identify them. And often it's based on our sex history. And it goes from if you're a virgin or if you just lost your virginity or when are you, when is she going to lose her virginity and media circulating that, where which we saw with Brittany versus when it was clear that she's lost her virginity after the whole Justin situation where they're labeling her as a whore now to up until she's married, she's pregnant, she's having babies. We can't call her a whore now because now she's a mom. She's going to be a mom that's disrespectful. So now she's pregnant and it's like that pregnant new mom stage where it's like more fragile, like, okay, she's pregnant, like kind of weird about it if you get the tone. And then she's a bad mom when she's caught doing something irresponsible, which we know Brittany has been scrutinized for. I'm not going to go too much into detail into that, but those are typically the stages of how the media categorizes women from the start of their careers where they're young, fresh, innocent, to they've developed, they've dated, they're ready to settle down and have kids. And now they just want to live their life and be left alone. And they're not going to be looking as red runway carpet ready as they did when they just started out like they're going to be more settled they don't want to do all that to them and for some reason misogynists get so personally butthurt when people don't want to dress to their beauty standards 
So that makes them upset. So when you upset a misogynist, you deserve shame. And that's like how their little mind works. And I'm saying this from the perspective of how misogynistic media, which was mainly the time period in the early 2000s, and how this was like kind of perceiving Britney and even today. But this chronological order that the media kind of bases women around, it basically says that women are only good for fucking, making babies, and then raising the children, being a mom. And if they can't do all any of that, then fucking what are they good for? It doesn't mean that they're talented. It doesn't mean that they actually have careers for themselves because we're not asking guys the same questions. We're not looking at men any different than when they lose their virginity, become fathers, or after they have children. It's just a very different perspective. It's a different lens of understanding a woman versus a man, especially when it comes to career, to celebrity status. And it's a very much a double standard. And I think that's like what we're trying to change now in the way dads are being views and the way that we're trying to change the perspective and what being a man is and strip away this toxic idea of masculinity that fatherhood is a part of being human and being a part of something bigger, I guess. And it's not so much just this isolating thing in being a man. Brittany has pretty much been scrutinized for her body since she was a child at 17. And now that she's a mom, she's leaning more into that territory where they're not no longer really sexualizing her, but now shaming her for being a bad mom and for the way she looks and getting that other bash of misogynistic views on beauty standards. And during this time where she's going through a very public divorce, a custody battle with her two kids. And not only that, she had a back-to-back pregnancy pretty much with both of her children. And all of this is being done under the eye of the media and the entire world. Because this is before paparazzi laws were instated and Britney Spears was the reason, as a huge reason, that they were even in place because of how abused she was by the media and by the tabloids in general. And it was kind of up to the point where she couldn't even leave her house. So there was no way to escape it. And I can't imagine how terrifying that must be. Because if you really think about it, it's going out every day and imagining that you're going to get bombarded, mobbed with people, strangers, just shoving cameras in your face. And being a woman, and I live in LA, I would be horrified to leave my apartment if I was going to even think I could get caught up in something like that. But guaranteeing that's going to happen to you everywhere you go, going to Starbucks, grocery shopping, like everything. And I know she's like mentioned it in a couple of her songs about what that's like and about what it feels like to be on that level of mobbed mental, mobbed insanity. But it's still it's everything. It's everywhere. It's like you don't get a moment of peace. Like you don't get a moment to yourself to break down, to just lose your shit. Because as we know, Britney's not allowed to lose her shit. She's not allowed to have an off day and off time because the paparazzi are going to catch that because they're relying that that's going to happen. So going through everything that Britney's going through and having to anticipate the paparazzi catching you at your worst, it's insane. And one of the t- things that was mentioned in her memoir that I don't want to dive too deeply on because... Looking back on it, this is, again, another time that was made into a deal much bigger than it was. And that's the umbrella incident with the TMZ um, paparazzi where Britney Spears was leaving from her custody seeing to her kids and the paparazzi were following her. And again, Britney was having a very hard time getting custody to see her kids, which is the only thing she's ever wanted. And during this time, that was like her final breaking point. And even in a video and a voice clip, you could hear Britney's friend begging the paparazzi to leave them alone and just stop it. 
because you could tell how over it everyone is, that this is just it. Like, just please get off my back. And it was an umbrella. It was nothing horrific. Like, it's a fucking umbrella. How much damage you could do. And you could see how blown out of proportion this was and how much damage it really did versus how much they made it seem it did. And oh my God, Brittany is crazy now. Like they sent her to rehab and she went and she complied and she did everything she had to do in order to get her boys back. Because she knew as a mother, it didn't matter how she was made to seem. It didn't matter what her real intentions were. As long as she complied, she could see her boys. And that was the game she chose to play. Because that's the game any mother would have chose to play, right? Any mother would always do what it takes to put their children first. And in doing that, you put your kids first in the situation. You don't put yourself first in fighting for yourself, fighting for your voice. Yes, you can and you should advocate for yourself. But at that time, the easier option was to comply. And that's what Brittany did. I lost myself. Anyways. That being said, this is again flipping Brittany to be the villain. The paparazzi has no care, no concern for Brittany nor her children's safety or anyone in Brittany's circle safety when they bombard her. Because there's been multiple times too where there had been no other choice where Brittany was just trying to get through to get safe again. Because the paparazzi make it a situation where that is not an option, where they do have to feel fear for their life. We know the incident where Brittany stumbled and caught her baby when she was just walking. Because she, where was she supposed to go? You could see how mobbed she was being. And that there was a narrow path that where with a new mom and having a baby that close and people that like coming that close around you. Like she's like walking through like it's nothing. Like it's just a normal day. When we know that's not normal and we know she knows this isn't normal. But she has to make it normal to make it okay for herself. To kind of soothe herself. We kind of forget that. Celebrities are people that suffer with anxiety and mental illnesses just like the rest of us. If you have social anxiety or any form of anxiety, being surrounded or being in a vicinity with people in general, being in crowds in general is extremely high pressure and very and it can feel very vulnerable. And that often is what kind of prevents people from wanting to go out and try new experiences. It's that anxiety of wanting of not wanting to interact or even be around another human being. So being in the situation where you are just going to guarantee a crowd to you, it's like, why the fuck would I even want to leave my house? Then another time, too, when Brittany was being chased out of the parking lot and she hit a parked car, they're making fun that she hit a parked car and that she's a crazy woman, a crazy, careless driver, when she was trying to get away from the paparazzi and that was the only option when they were chasing her. And how scary is it that they're chasing you in a vehicle? And not only is Brittany's health and safety not accounted for, but her mental well-being as well. As we know, with the 2007 VMA performance, it was not Britney's finest moment, as she puts it. We already know that that year had a lot for Britney, and the VMAs was just one bad show for an incredible performer. And it's just unfortunate that it happened to be the VMA performance. Because it was. It was just an off show. And since her memoirs come out, there have been reels, there have been videos of her practices, of her other routines of the that she was supposed to be during the show, of what the show was supposed to be. And you could tell that this was just something that unfortunately happened. Like, it was just one of those days. And it just un- unfortunately happened to be the VMAs. And in case you haven't read the b- book yet, 
before the VMA performance, Brittany mentioned that she didn't get any sleep that night, that she was already tired from countlessly performing. She didn't feel confident enough with the new routine. And she bumped into her ex, Justin Timberlake, which again, if you haven't listened to part two, which I talk about Justin and Kevin, please go give it a listen. We could talk shit about him. But she just saw Justin and he has been on a high of living his life to the fullest in Hollywood. Like his career is at peak. So he's like riding the wave. And Britney is having the roughest time of her life, the roughest year of her life. And she sees her ex who broke her heart and ripped her apart. And he's doing just peachy. That would make you want to fucking throw up. That would make anyone want to go feral. But having to do that, having to see that, and then having to give a performance at a lot, at, at the VMAs. So they force Britney to go on by giving her medication. So she's doped up. She's out of it. Because after she sees Justin, she had a panic attack and refused to go on. So that's why they gave her the medication and forced her to still perform. Forced her. So it wasn't consensual. It was a performance that people destroyed her and ripped her apart for. And there was no regard for her as a human being. It was as if people were almost insulted by her performance. That she personally did this to them to shame them or to hurt other people somehow. And even going it a step further where they're body shaming her, talking shit about her body, saying that she's fat and has gained weight when one, she is not fat. Two, this is a woman who just had back-to-back pregnancies and she looks fucking fantastic. This is another point which I never understand about misogynists is why they feel entitled to having ownership of what another woman looks like. Like why, why is that your say to say? Why do you look like that and still think you could talk like that? If you don't put effort into your own appearance, why do you have an authority to say what anyone else looks like? So everyone's talking how poorly the performance was and no one is taking into consideration the year Britney has had. In fact, Perez Hilton went as far as to write a personal letter to Britney Spears, basically saying, fuck you, how dare you, about the VMA performance. And in response to that, we have the leave Britney alone video, which I think is the first strew of empathy anyone has ever seen for Britney Spears, because this is the only person that's kind of made a form of media posted on YouTube and be like, why the fuck are we hating on Britney when she is a human being that's going through a divorce, going through a public custody battle and is a new mom that is basically being told, hey, you're not allowed to see your kids and there's nothing you could do about it. And we're expecting her to still be like this like grade A performer like on her game when she's been like performing since she was 17. That's so much pressure. We can kind of even see that spiral that happened with Miley Cyrus too. And this is no shame to Miley's performance at all. She's an incredible performer. But it's that same pressure we put on these young kids, these teens who are incredible human beings, incredible performers. But there's no lesson that, hey, you need to learn how to take a break for yourself sometime so you can keep going. There is no allowance to take a pause to just be like, hey, this is good now. We'll worry about more later. Let's focus and let's recharge. And we learn that lesson ourselves, like in our personal lives, we don't all have to be these top level performing artists to feel this way and to feel burnt out, to feel like, hey, I need a break sometimes. Society teaches us that we shouldn't need a break, that we need to keep pushing and pushing and pushing ourselves in order to deem ourselves worthy of having a break. But then we also learn through business that if you take a break, you're going to miss out on opportunities. So you also shouldn't take a break. But as a human, and for human standards, for sustainable, and as and from a corporate burnout, babes, 
you're going to burn out eventually. So if you're not going to take that break now, you're really just going to skirt, skirt it out later. Just my tip, but... <laughs> After we see this public shame about Britney's performance and her body, and the media kind of paints it as what's happened to Britney. And that's kind of when we see how Britney's father kind of starts to step in. And this is the first sign where I want to start talking about how the conservatorship was a way for, like, an opportunity for abusive parents to regain control of their children, especially in Britney's situation where looking back on her childhood when she was doing the Mickey Mouse Club and given her father's history of being an alcoholic who has been bad with money and being in stable jobs, Brittany has been the breadwinner for the family since the Mickey Mouse Club and being a performer. She's also talked how she's bought in her family house, cars, like all these little doodads that have been assets to her family and her family's life and well-being. These are things that normally parents are supposed to provide for their children. But as we know, Brittany had a lot of abuse in her childhood, has experienced a lot of hurt and a hard time in her childhood. And she's mentioned explicitly that she wanted to do as much as she could for her sister, Jamie Lynn, to prevent her from experiencing that same thing. So you could even tell from the way she's parentified Jamie Lynn from being her little sister and trying to take care of her in that way and giving her a home, a stable home to grow up in and seeing that that's something she could do that her parents couldn't do for her. And now that's where I find it even more frustrating and seeing how she's done that for not only herself, but for her sister. And they, her, the parents still have the audacity to come at her and say, we, need, we are going to have control and have a say over you and your life now. And we see how Brittany kind of starts to be this cash cow of a daughter versus being this woman that needs love and support from her family. And when her family kind of first swoops in, it's like this is it's like they're trying to swoop in and be the loving, caring parents to take care of their out of control daughter that the media is making her seem to be. Because after the VMA performance, this is like Britney bombed. What's happening to Britney? How could she do this? What is the shame that she's doing to the world, basically, by how everyone was so personally victimized by that performance? And now it's like, well, what has she done? What does she do now? It's like her parents are like, well, her parents will save her and stepping in. When in retrospect, it's they're seeing an opportunity to use her for greed and for their ego. Britney's father even goes as far as saying, I'm Britney Spears now. When he basically tells her he's taking over for a conservatorship because of the control he has over her life now and the control he has over her career. During her Vegas residency, we really see how the conservatorship just abuses Britney for everything she's got as a performer and just as an artist. Similar to how Elvis performed during his residency in Vegas, it's kind of where performers' shows go to like rip them for all they have of their talent. But similarly to Elvis too, where it's like he as a performer lost all autonomy over his career. It's sad, though, that Britney was so conscious of what was happening and seeing how she as a performer wasn't feeling it anymore and losing herself as in not the performance, but in herself and not being motivated as an artist, saying how she didn't even have the say in revising her new songs, new routines. It stripped what made performing magical for her, what made it a passion for her. The conservatorship kind of stripped away what made art performing fun 
and what made her passion come to life. So I can't imagine what that must feel like for her to have to go up on stage every day, perform night after night, because she's not working from her heart and the love of performing, but from the need to and the fact that she's doing this just so she could see her kids. Because this is her prime motivator again, is that as long as she behaves, she'll get to see her kids. She's allowed to spend time with her children. And even then, the time she's guaranteed is, isn't guaranteed even. It's whenever she gets, that's what she's allowed and that's what she takes. So it's understandable how Brittany just complies and just kept going over the years and why she's never really tried to fight it. And it's heartbreaking, though, because this is just clearly a girl who's been through so much heartbreak and just needs a little love. And like as a girl, like, I don't know, it just sucks how girl girls like when you're not brought up into a family, if your family doesn't already give you and teach you what unconditional love and support is you're going to go your whole life looking for it. And it's exhausting because you don't even know what it is. You could be it, but you don't know what it is because you know what you do to love someone. And you just hope you find someone that can do the same for you. But we know Brittany only wants to be with her kids and being a mom has taught her that she's always been shamelessly herself. Throughout her life, we've seen how Brittany's just been just like just a girl. I think just a girl is the perfect phrase to describe what Brittany is because that's just it. She's light, she's bubbly, she's airy, and she's just like, hey, I'm just here to love and to have a good time. And that's the energy she puts out. So looking back on her life, it's easy to see how maybe she second guessed herself over the years and being like, well, maybe I, I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I should have done this or done this, but different or whatever it may be. But I think being a mom and feeling that love you do for your kids, it's like, it's something that like makes you feel is real again. It's like something you're like, okay, this is what I believe in. And it reconnects you to that childlike version of yourself. And I think the love Brittany feels for her kids is the love she might've felt when she was in the music industry, what brought her to music and how right it felt and how good it felt. And now looking back and feeling like it couldn't have been wrong if it felt so right then and empowering her more even then. And that's how I feel too. Like as someone with BPD, my, the way I feel about situations and looking back, I remember the feeling and that's what I connect back to. So saying that when she looks at her boys, she kind of sees God and it kind of like gives her something to believe in. It gives her hope. That's what I think kind of feeling like giving yourself that love and feeling love for yourself. Like it connects yourself to a time where you felt hopeful for yourself, where you kind of felt empowered for yourself. So I just want to make that point because I thought it was really powerful. But seeing where Brittany kind of gets that power from, it's a good reminder to always lead with your heart and that it's something you'll regret least in life if that's how you choose to make your choices from. If you're making the best decisions for yourself, knowing that they're genuine for you and for the best of your heart, I think it's easier to look back and learn from it because then you know like it was a genuine choice you genuinely thought this was the best for you and it's either going to work out for you or it's going to be an opportunity from you to learn from but it's not something I think we should suppress from and try to keep from and build walls up from because the only thing you learn from building walls is that they're going to be harder and harder to climb and you're going to realize sooner or later that you're going to forget what you even were building the walls from anyways being a mom is all she's ever wanted to be Looking at her boys the way she does, it's like her sign of hope that there's good. And I think the love that Brittany does have for her boys, 
I think it's just been a good reminder for herself even that she's just always wanted to be a mom and that she knows that there was nothing ever wrong with that. And same way with just all those years that she's just been herself. There was nothing wrong with the way she was and that there were just people making her feel like there was something for her to feel ashamed of. And with 2007, the whole year, I think it just shows how much you could do to a person before they can snap. And 2007 just showed what Britney's snapping point was and how her family even just victimized her by making her seem like the villain and everything. Because Britney's demonstrates what happens when bad kids, quote unquote, grow up and realize they're not bad kids. The same way Britney was able to acknowledge that she was never a bad person or made to feel bad from the way the media made her out to be in her early career versus they're making her out to be now. But because of the way she feels as a mother and the way she loves as a mother, she looks at herself differently and looks at herself in a more through a more empowering lens. And I think I can almost validate that she could say, I wasn't bad, I was just being me. And as a kid from a similar situation, feeling bad is something we're made out to feel a lot because our parents have two way of viewing it. Their way, which is the right way, because narcissists are never wrong. And the other way, which is the wrong way. It's that black and white mindset you have where you can only have one way of being right and one way of behaving correctly. And oftentimes for people that are the scapegoats of the family or the black sheep of the family, we're the bad way. We're the bad thing of the family. We're what's wrong with the family, what the narcissist wants to blame. We're like the reason everything has to go wrong. And also situations like this too, because we also have Brittany's mother in this situation who is not the alcoholic, is not the abuser in this situation, but the partner. Well, I almost feel like an enabler of the abuser because she's not exactly doing anything to protect her children from him, but she's and she's not doing to anything to help him in his addiction. The mom has this added stressor of having her alcoholic husband with her kids, which is an added stressor. Now, as we know, parents with added stressors, kids are not the best thing for them. And being in this type of situation, I could see how Brittany's mother may be the type of person where having her children could be a burden to her. When Brittany explicitly says that this is kind of how she was made to feel, and this is how it reminded her of how she was made to feel when she was a kid. And we could see how it's taking her back to that time of when she's feeling like, I'm just someone looking for a little love and my family is making me feel like that's too much to ask for. And it's just the pattern of what happens with scapegoats when they are looking for love and their parents don't have the emotional maturity to give it to them essentially. Because their parents are stressed with the work, with life in general, and the pressure of having a kid, of having to care for a kid, of having to worry about their kids' needs as well as their own, they're too selfish to put their child's needs above their own or to learn how to even do that. And just like when she was a child, Brittany's parents never learned how to put her needs above their own or how to, and, and when I say needs, I mean like accommodating her emotions as well. Not just her, just the physical needs of food, shelter, and water, but loving and caring for her properly. And knowing how to take care of her and knowing how to be there for her and how to support her and love her. Because taking care of a child is way more than just giving them food in their belly, clothes on their backs, and a place to sleep and a bedtime story a night. Learning how to love your child is learning what makes them happy. 
learning what to say to them when they're down and how to help them through hard times. It's being patient with them and knowing that that you always love them through whatever hard time they're going through. And you have to learn how to teach yourself to support them and be their parent. Because I think that's like what a big part of parenting is, is learning how to be your child's parent and be different for every kid you have. It doesn't matter if you have one child or eight, like it's going to be different for every kid. But I think you could learn something from each kid. And I think that is the challenge with parenting is you accept that challenge and learning how to be a parent. And with how society has made parenting be, especially in history, where it's kind of more of like a chronological expectation. After a certain age, you're expected to have children versus I feel like it should be a mental thing, too. Are you mentally ready to have kids? Are you physically? Are you financially ready to have kids? Because I think so many parents fell down this line of, well, I should have kids now because this will either fix my life or fix my marriage. And that's how we kind of end up having these fucked up relationships, these fucked up family situations that we see with either our own dynamics and even on a very public level, Britney Spears family. And that's why I do think it's interesting in looking at her memoir and reading about her story and seeing how this is almost what happens if, if all our family members were under a microscope. And Britney feeling like a burden at one point or another throughout your childhood, when you go to your parents looking for love, looking for reassurance or looking for help of any sort, they'll meet you with a tone that makes you feel like, oh, I'm being too much. And as kids, we have the habit of internalizing things that make us feel wrong or that make us feel scary. So we ourselves think we're bad when it's our parents who need to consider their actions when they're handling kids. Because when kids, we're just little sensitive little babies. We don't know any better. So if you yell at us, if you're mean at us, we need some reassurance to know that we're not bad. We were just being reacted to poorly. And we need some sort of reassurance, some validation to know that we're still loved. And I was the my family scapegoat. And the way Brittany writes about her story and the way her family makes her feel is very close to home in the way my family made me feel. So this is the experience I'm speaking on and through the role I played as a scapegoat in my household with the same way kind of Brittany felt and kind of just explaining how those roles kind of come to life and manifest into adulthood, I guess you could say. And women in general, because even sons have a different tone than daughters do, which again, Sons have a more of an expected role with how they're meant to be brought up, what they're supposed to be as adults versus daughters are kind of just perceived as these things that grow up are supposed to look pretty, not really behave too poorly, and then they just get married to a man one day and then they're taken care of. Like, there's no actual responsibility of a woman other than being a mother. And that's why, like, earlier when I'm talking about chronological order of what you're identified as, it's like, that's... It's like for parents, it's like your daughter's either unmarried or she's married or she has a kid and is married. That is what I think parents look at their daughters like misogynists. I think that's like how they view their daughters to be. Because as someone that's 26 and kind of re-pivoting my life and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, I want to have conversations with my parents to help talk through what I'm going through to help figure it out for myself. But it seems like they don't even know how to have those kind of conversations with me when I knew they were more than willing to when my brother was kind of looking at his career options. It's like I didn't have the same opportunity to have a discussion of a career because I'm a woman and I just should assume I'm even lucky to have a career is kind of how it feels. Anyways, so obvious during this time how Brittany just needs someone to love her and to be with her and just to be that rock for her and how she just needs a hug. 
and stuff, people just telling her what she needs to do, what she should be doing, or everything she's doing wrong. A divorce and heartbreak is just, in general, just hard enough. So the fact that the media is just completely tearing her apart, she can't even rely on her family or, or any friends. In fact, one of the only people Britney does confide in is Paris Hilton, where they kind of make fun of Britney and being a party girl for this. When it's really just any 20-something-year-old going through a hard time and looking for a little break, which by damn, we've all been there, babes. But basically, I just want to do this episode about Britney Spears' conservatorship. And that's going to be it for the Britney series, guys. And I thank you all so, so much for listening. I really wanted to do this episode because as I was reading Britney's memoir, there were a lot of themes that were coming up that I've worked through in therapy. And I wanted to make light of them because I know I'm not the only one that's dealt with them or has been dealing with them. And as we know, therapy, mental health in general is an ongoing journey, you could say. So... It's not a final destination. It's just finding new ways to work through it and making light of the Britney book and the popularity it's gained by not only learning about her story, but also kind of understanding ourselves as people better. And I wanted to show how the conservatorship has such conservative, exactly that, views of this old school mentality that is so present in Britney's father and just in, I guess, even white culture in general and misogynistic culture where there's just such deep-rooted hatred and a need for control and for power when there's such like a lack of self-love or a lack of love given and all we could do is give the power of self-love and the way we saw Brittany kind of validating herself through being a mother and giving herself that love and kind of validating giving herself that love through being a mother so I just want to say that's really beautiful and share that little message with you guys And with that, I'm going to end the episode here. And I thank you again for listening to this episode and this series. So if you like this episode, please give me a five-star rating, and especially if you like this podcast. If you want to keep up with me, follow me on TikTok and Instagram, link below. If you want to book a coaching session with me, you can either send me an email or check out the link in my bio. And that's going to be it for this week. I love you all so much. Bye.